Because Nobody Told Me, the 98FM Parenting Podcast with Lauren and Serena. Hey, I'm Serena. And I'm Lauren. And this is Nobody Told Me, 98FM's Parenting Podcast. Um, Lauren, there are so many parenting podcasts out there at the moment. Why are we doing this one? There are so many great parenting podcasts, but I suppose I'm excited because I feel like you and I don't really beat around the bush. No. And uh, (laughs) we've had some really honest conversations in the last few weeks. And even before I had my baby, he's 11 weeks old, and we kind of thought about this and talked about this. And yeah, nobody told me kind of came from... Nobody tells you so many things. There are so like, and even though, you know, people tell you bits and pieces, nobody, nobody really tells you. No, they don't. So what we're trying to do here is not scare people off, right? But we're just telling, and this is the important thing: we're telling our truths. Yes. This may not be your truth, and that's okay. But sometimes you feel like the odd one out because the truth that you're hearing isn't the same truth that's being put out there. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So, um, welcome to Nobody Told Me. Yeah, I'm so excited and I hope people get in touch with us and let us know what nobody told them. We're kind of getting it all up and going. So we'll give you all the ways to get in touch when we know how you can get in touch. But at the moment, like we have great stories from some of our friends, some of our colleagues. And like Serena said, we have our own stories as well. So listen, you're the pro. You're at this a lot longer than I am. Why don't you start? (laughs) The pro. See, I'm not. Do you know what I've learned? (laughs) Nobody told me. And I tell my mum off all the time, right? Because she didn't tell me it was going to be this, I'm not going to use the word tough. Um, I'm going to use the word, I didn't know that mum was faking it till she made it. Because I am still, I have a eight-year-old and a three-year-old. And still when I hear the word mum, I look around to find my own mum. And I, I, I still wow. feel like I, I don't know what I'm doing, Lauren. I really am faking it till I make it. Did you really want kids? Were you like super ready to have kids or were you just kind of thrown into it? Um, no, I was I was ready. Like I, I wasn't massively broody, but I also knew that and actually if you can yeah, sorry, that's my kid. <laughs> and this is the thing, we're also gonna talk about the reality of- He had to come to work with me today. <laughs> so. But um yeah, so if you hear little gurgling sounds, that's that's Lauren's newborn. There he is. Yeah, chill out now, okay. It's <laughs> not about you. What were we saying? Um so you were you weren't broody. That's it. I wasn't broody, but I always knew that being a mum was something I wanted okay. in my life. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's because that was the narrative that everybody told me. I, I didn't really stop and think about it. Okay. it. You know, it wasn't, was it the narrative that I was told that's what needed to happen? Or, But I did, I did sit there and think if I didn't have a child, would I, would I be upset not having a child in my life? And I, I suppose the answer was yes. I didn't know why I wanted the child, but I knew I didn't not want a child. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think I was kind of the same. Like we did have a chat about like if we didn't have kids or if it didn't work out for us, you know, would we be okay with that? And like I don't know. Like you yeah. don't yeah, I know. <laughs> You're here. Um but you know, I yeah, kind of the same. I think I just I wanted to have kids. Yeah. You know. So what we thought, um, with this podcast, we would love to hear from you guys, right? As we said, once we get our social media handles set up, we will um, bring your input in. But what we thought we'd do today is just tell you our stories, tell you our birthing. Like, we're going to take it back right to the very beginning, not to conception. That's too private. <laughs> but we are going to take it to the point of the birthing stories because everyone's birthing story is very different. 100%. And you just don't know 
what's going to happen. And I think from working in radio, I don't know if you feel this, Serena, but I feel like I've heard every horrific story there is going. Yeah. And maybe that's a female thing as well, is that because you talk and you read articles, even though you shouldn't read them. And you read these things on Facebook, but also working in radio, I felt I'd heard so many horrific stories. So I was, not that I was overly anxious, but I was prepared for anything. Yeah. Can I ask, how did you find out you were pregnant the first time? Um, how did I find out? Well, the first time we, we knew, we went, okay, we're going to start trying. And I literally, I was a day late. And I just went, I'm just going to go pee on this stick. And I did it on about two or three sticks because I didn't trust the first time. Right. And yeah, so I was at home and I and I was on my own. And yeah, I just found out I was pregnant. There was It's just the one line, isn't it? Or is it I, I can't even remember. But there was the lines that told you you were pregnant yeah. on the stick. So, But as with everybody else's story, Lauren, the day before I took this test, <laughs> I went out and I'd had a mad one. Yes. Like madder than I had had in, in Do you months. think subconsciously you know? Because I look back now and I'm like, God, there was a lot of wine that night, yep. like two or three days before I found out I was pregnant. And it's like your body is like, listen, this is going to see you through <laughs> for the next nine months. <laughs> totally. I think that because, do you know what, Lauren? That happened on both my my um, pregnancies. The, the week before I found out I was pregnant both times, I'd had a mad session. Isn't it so bizarre? And I don't usually have sessions like, like I do have a few sessions, but not <laughs> not like that. How did you find out you were pregnant? Um, oh, so I, I had finished up a j- working. I'd left my job, started a new job working with my partner and um, had gone on an absolute banger with my best friend. <laughs> And it, it, it just the hangover never went away. And I was I was working with my husband. Went up to his office, and he was like, "What is wrong with you?" Because I was sweating, like I didn't feel great at all. And I I kind of knew it had been on the cards. I kind of knew. And I went, um, uh, "Yeah, I'm, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm pregnant." And he was like, oh. <laughs> "Like I was hauling ass around work for days." And I think he just thought I was just still really hungover. <laughs> so yeah, and like. As it went on, I don't know if anyone remembers, but like last summer, well, of course you remember, it was only last summer, the weather was really hot. Oh, and you had to go through that pregnant. I was really, really dehydrated. And my first nobody tells you, nobody tells you or nobody told me how constipated you get (laughs) and how dehydrated you are. And I remember ringing the coom, being like, I'm sorry, um, what is going on? I'm having like really, really sharp pains. I feel horrific. And the midwife I spoke to was like, listen, there isn't a pregnant woman in the country that's not feeling it at the moment. Like, it's the heat, however much water you think you should be drinking, triple it, quadruple it, it'll happen eventually. And I, like, started drinking, like, bottles and bottles of prune juice, thinking, like, there'd be an absolute explosion. But still, no, it took days. It took days. It was so horrific. Nobody tells you about the constipation. See, I couldn't tell you, Lauren, because I didn't have constipation. I was so regular. Really? Yeah, my my. But see, I've always been regular, so I've never had a problem with that. So, oh. but we're going to in in future um, chats. We're going to be talking about our pregnancies. But let's go straight. Okay, yes, through <laughs> to the the birth. Okay, right. I'm going to start. I had. It's very funny that you said. Um, you know, everyone tells you the horrific stories. I had two labors, and they were both so very very different. My first one was amazing. My second one, I felt like I had PTSD. I still suffer from the trauma wow. of, and it's not like I went through anything traumatic. Thank goodness my two pregnancies were all pretty straightforward. But, um, well, I start with my first one. Yeah, go. Because, <laughs> Lauren, I had no idea what was going on. I mean, we did the, um, 
my partner and I were pretty lazy and we just did the full, we went, okay, we've got to do the antenatal classes because everyone tells you you should do them. We didn't want to go weekly, so we did a full-day course and I don't think we listened properly because it was a full day. And I don't think, I don't know, even though you know what's happening, do you think I was in denial. Someone had said to me, right, by going in one day, they cram it all in. Yeah. I went to the weekly ones. Now, I was lucky if I roped my fella into going to two of them, right? And also... Like, you hear all the stuff and you read all the stuff. So you get a bit about it. Like, the yeah. novelty wears off going to an antenatal class. Do you think by going in one day, it's just too much? It's an information overload. I think it is. But I also think it's so funny because, you know, when people give you feedback forms, I don't think they expect real feedback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gave them an essay. I gave them an essay. A really for- regular. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just felt it wasn't practical enough. We needed more, like it was more just people speaking at you. I would have loved more practical stuff. And when I say practical stuff, I don't know. I've watched far too much TV. When I watch these shows, these American shows, you know, they're on the floor practicing their Lamas and we had none of that stuff. What is Lamas? I don't know. Is that the is breathing? It breathing? Is it breathing? Is it? Oh, yeah. Did you do any of that? No. No, who had no. time to think about no. that stuff? Yeah. No, no. Okay, sorry, I keep interrupting you. No. Go on, go on, go on. So, anyway, we did all of that stuff and I had no idea what was going on. See, I was the first of my mates here in Ireland right. to get pregnant. But back home, everyone had gotten pregnant. And I was one of those people that I had, I, you know, I was probably 10 years off having a baby. But I'd be the ones at the hospital going to the mums. So, tell me the absolute truth. What happened? So Nobody I'd, tells you the truth. No, no, they told me everything, Lauren. I wanted to know every gritty detail. But what I didn't know is, I mean, you've seen on TV what happens when you go into labour. I had no idea. I didn't read the signs. And you know what? Again, like you said, it's because it's so different for everyone. Yeah. You know, like your baby's different. Your body's different. The best advice anyone gave me was my sister-in-law, who kind of, similar to myself, has done a lot of you know, physical challenges like triathlons, runs, things like that. And she was like, treat it like a triathlon. So the beginning of labour for me was like, you know, a slow, steady start and then it gathers pace and then it's, you know, full on at the end. So was it kind of like that for you? It was kind of slow? It was. And see, I had no, because it was so slow, I just thought, you know, you see on TV, waters break, you go to hospital, you have the baby. Yeah. That didn't happen for me. I was basically working through my labour. Which is I, good. Yeah. No, on Staying yeah. active, yeah. Yeah, well, I, no, no, I was literally at work. I was doing, like, my day job is doing interviews and I was doing an interview. I, I'd basically been having contractions from three o'clock that morning. Every 20 minutes I'd be waking up and I'd be feeling a pain. I, I think I was just in denial and my stomach went really hard and they told me that's, that's one of the telltale signs. Yeah. I was just in denial. But you know what? I think that's good because I don't know if other people have experienced this, um, I was really conscious of not wanting to be on the hospital's clock. And that was actually one thing I took from the antenatal classes is that the minute you go through the doors, you're on their clock. So the longer you can stay at home, the better. And especially with the first baby, you're like, oh my God, I'm in labour. The baby's going to come in the next 20 minutes. It doesn't happen like that. No, it doesn't. I mean, for some it does. Oh my God, imagine it just came in 20 minutes. (laughs) My sister-in-law in Australia, her babies all just basically fell out of her. And her third one? She just made it to hospital. Well, do you know what? They told me in the end that, yeah, like he did come quickly in the end. Yep. So they did say, if you go again, come in sooner. But I mean, they broke my waters now. Sorry, we're on your story. <laughs> we'll get to mine. Go. Well, we'll sleep with mine. So I basically woke up that morning. My husband found me on the couch and he's like, he's looking at me going, is there something wrong? No, there's nothing wrong. He told me not. I'm totally fine. Yeah, he told me I'm not. Control. I mean, it was exactly a week before my due date. In my head, Lauren, I wasn't going to be due till a week after. 
made no sense, but in my head it made complete sense that I was going to go late because it was my first baby. Yeah. So basically I went to work. I was doing an interview. It wasn't a must, but I felt like I, I, I needed to do it. So I went and did the interview. I remember turning up to the interview and saying to one of my colleagues, um, I may be in labour. She wanted to rush me to hospital. I said no. I even called my friends in Australia because I wasn't sure what was going on. See, I was the first of my mates here mm. to get pregnant. So I, I didn't know. So I asked my mates in Australia. They wanted to call the hospital for me. I just hung up on them. I just went, no, I'm going to go do this thing. <laughs> and are you a bit like... In denial. Are you just totally. like, I don't I don't want this to happen yet or I just want to keep the baby inside? It was a week early. Like I wasn't yeah, ready. stay where you are. Yeah, I was not ready for this baby see, to I come out. See, I felt the opposite. I was like, I'm, I'm ready to but go. But you were, how many days overdue? 11. Yeah, see, and, and that's... And it's over Christmas as well. Yeah, see. So I was like, kid, get out of here. Yeah, so mine was, it was April, the weather was lovely, I was, that was going to be my last day of work, like that was my last work thing to do, and I was going to have a week to myself. Mm -hmm. You know, this kid didn't. So at what stage did you go into the hospital and did things get real? Because I would love to hear, because again, nobody tells you. No. When it gets real, it gets real, real fast. It does. So basically, I called my doctor, um, he told me to come in straight away. I saw him at one. He then told me to go straight to the hospital and I um, asked him if I could watch the Alan DeGeneres show first and go home and have some, some lunch because I'm you sure... You were really chill in I, labour. Yeah, I really was. I was like, I, I know I'm probably not going to be able to eat once I get there, yeah. so can I can I have something to eat? Can we watch Alan? We did that. I remember getting in the car. I remember calling my husband's best friend as we're driving. We were talking to him so much that the 10-minute drive became a 45-minute drive because we missed our turn-off. So then we got to the hospital. I probably got to the hospital about 5.30 and labour probably started happening in extreme. They had to, after all of that, even though I was three centimetres dilated when I got there, I they needed to break my water because nothing was happening. So my waters were broken. Can we, can we talk about having your waters broken for a second? Yeah. Like, okay, this, this is going to get real. Like someone asked me recently, how do what do they use to break your waters? And I said, um, you know, like a knitting needle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh mm -hmm. my god, my husband is still like that was the worst moment of my life watching you getting your waters broken. How did you feel when your waters were broken? Okay, so what happened with me was that the water didn't come. I'd lost fluid. I had a lot of fluid in my pregnancy, and I think they thought I was going to gush. They were telling me the whole time, you've a lot of fluid, you've a lot of fluid. Are you sure you don't have diabetes the size of you? All of this crack, right? I swam a lot during my pregnancy, and I, sw I swim in the sea. And I think what happened now, looking back, because I didn't lose a lot of water when they broke my waters, was I had lost fluid in the days leading up to going into labour okay. uh, because there was a few times I'd be swimming and like obviously being pregnant you need to wee every 30 seconds and there was times I'd wee in the sea you're allowed to wee in the sea because you weren't in a swimming pool let's just put yeah that totally <laughs> um, and also like just every 30 seconds when you're pregnant so but there was times I'd wee and I'd be like especially around my due date and as I went over to you I was like that could be my waters I've no yeah. idea yeah, and that's no the idea. thing. Like, everyone tells you you're going to have a show. And I, I had no... I, I, I didn't see the show. My waters didn't break. My waters had to be broken for me. I remember... Was you it, know, it's just the most uncomfortable thing. It is. And I was so... Both times... Actually, both times I needed to have my, my waters broken for me, even on the second child. And I remember I just kept apologising because I felt like I was losing control. And that's something you lose when, when you're in labour. you lose sometimes. a lot of water? I lost... And it was just a massive gush. gush. Like yeah. in the movies. Yeah. But I was sitting down. 
and it was just a massive uh, gush. Um, Is it like a big release? Because what I felt she was trying to do with her knitting needle, this woman was quite sadistic, (laughs) that she was like trying to hook the membrane basically and what they do is they like it's around where the baby's head is yeah. like my baby had a scratch on his head from them oh, trying wow. to break the waters and um, they're trying to like unhook the water so that it gushes out and that, that just didn't happen for me but it did for you mine did but then apparently see I'm I'm not very good at biology I'm not very good at being in tune with my body I admit that right up but apparently they left a bit of whatever's up there in there, so uh. they didn't get it all. Like, I don't know, but anyway. So, it, but basically, from eight thirty till she was born at eleven seventeen that night, that's where it was full on. But I have to admit, that's active labour. Yeah, yeah. But my and um, I yeah, I was. T- I kept getting told it, it's going to be now. It's going to be now. Now I didn't get an epidural, and that's not for everyone to go. Oh, she didn't get an epidural. Let me just tell you why I didn't get an epidural. And this is stupid. And this is where sometimes you just become irrational and that's okay, right? But I just, I was scared. I'm not scared of needles. For me, I was scared of the epidural. I was more scared of the epidural than the pain of being in labour. Yeah, I I can relate to that. So Yeah. Yeah. So twice I didn't have the epidural. But the first, see, the first time it all went so well, Lauren, I felt that the pain, see, with me when it comes to pain, I'm all about, you know, Living life, it's all about being present and being in the moment. But when I'm in pain, the way I deal with pain from a very young age, I've never been in the moment. I put myself, you know, tomorrow when I look back on this time, I'm not going to be in pain. And oh, that's, that's how good. I, You'd be like, this will be over. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be looking back. It'll be a memory. So I kept going, I'm just in a memory right now. Oh. Yeah. And how th- do you do that? I don't, it's something that I, I've learned from a very young age. I experienced a lot of pain when I was about 12. And it's something that just came okay. to me. And so d- was, you did that in both labours? In both. No, that's the problem. I did that in the first labour. And I seriously would have said to everyone, it was just have, I used to get really big, bad period pains, as most girls did, didn't they, as teens? Yeah, yeah. I would you not I wouldn't have had as bad as some really? of my friends. Oh, I was like in the corner. Okay. In so pain. you've dealt with yeah. like it's like spasm pain. It's totally. just yeah. So that's what I would have said. I'm not saying it was pain free, but it was it wasn't bad. Yeah. But the second one <sighs> Did you get cocky? I did, and I think that's what it was. I was like, I can handle this, I'm fine. And the second one, my problem was I loved my midwives. So we were in the chats. I can't help it. As a profession, we talk to people. We want to know what they're up to. So I was like having an interview with them. Tell me about your lives. I didn't want to talk about me because I was going through labour. But what what it meant was I wasn't prepared for the next contraction. And when they came, they came really bad. And with the second one, like the first one was great. She came out, whatever. I remember they put her on my chest and they said, no, you gave me the, oh, isn't that lovely? They put her on my chest and I said, oh, my God, she stinks. Can yeah. you take her away and clean her? And the nurse was disgusted. Can I talk to you about that moment? Because yes. that's a moment I think a lot of people, and dads included, put themselves under pressure for. Is yeah. that moment when your baby comes out, however your baby arrives into the world right that moment when you lock eyes on it first that people tell you it's this magical moment like I think people will really appreciate hearing that that you were like actually she stinks can you yeah. clean her off yeah and it wasn't because not everyone has that magical moment no and do you know it took me a while with my first and I think because my first it was so this whole concept was so alien to me and I remember it probably took I loved her and I didn't a lot of people went you must have been suffering postnatal depression. I actually wasn't. It was just that I couldn't make that connection. I remember I'd see her sitting. She's literally just come out of your vagina. Like, yeah. how are you supposed to comprehend? I still look at him and go, how? Mm. 
did he come out of me? How? But do you remember do you remember that episode of the Kardashians where Courtney Kardashian was like pulling Mason yeah. out of her? And I remember with um with my first child, I can't I can't understand how she could reach down there. I was right. crippled. <laughs> I remember the midwife being like, Can you hold your knee? I was like, I can't reach my knees. No. I cannot reach my knees. That's where your partner comes in very handy. Yeah. And they're like when they say stay at the business end of things, there's just there's no there's no hope. They, you need them there. You need them doing their thing. But I remember actually when she was crowning, they said, Look at her, look at her. I went, I don't want to look. They went, look at her. And I I looked and I could, could see Did you see her? I could see her looking up at me and I just went, I don't like this. Just get her yeah. out of me. Get her out it of me. It is such a weird thing. Like, <sighs> think about it. Like, the fundamental thing is, and again, as I said, it, like, no matter how your baby is coming out of you, it's coming out of you. I ju- it is such a strange thing. Oh, it's so strange. But like, after her birth, everything was okay. It did, like, going back to the connection thing with her, it probably took a, a good couple of months for me to finally connect with her. Because I would look at her when I was at home and just go, I don't get it. I know, like, I had you in my tummy, but where did you come from? Yeah. Like, you're just this... It's actual th- magic. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It definitely... And like, I I wouldn't say I had, like, that moment where I'm like, this gush of love. But I remember when he came out looking down and the midwife kind of sat him up because he, I think he had the cord around his neck a bit and he kind of gurgled a bit. And I had said to the midwife, can Alex tell me what it is? Yeah. Like, I, I want him to tell me the sex yeah. of the baby. And when he said it, it's a little boy, I remember looking down between my legs at him and he looked at me and I remember going, oh, it's you. So if yeah. that's the moment, that's what it was for me. Yeah. That it was just like, oh, it's you. Yeah. And so sometimes it is like with my second In a nice way, not like, well, oh, it's you. <laughs> sometimes it is as well because, you know, but like with my with my first one, it was like the after stuff was fine. Although I used to remember, I used to tell every pregnant woman, make sure I don't take medication. Again, another really weird phobia I have, right? So I never take medication, but I was taking Panadol, Panadol anytime I went for a poo because they had sewn me far too tightly. I had to go back to the hospital. Like it was only after I went back to the hospital and they removed a stitch and I just went, Oh, I can poo without any, like I found the pooing after worse than the labor, but the second child, I found that experience because I was feeling the pain. I found that experience really traumatic, like just the pain, so painful. It was pain I had never felt before in my life. Do you think it was more painful than her birth or just you, you mentally were in a different place? it was that. I was mentally in a different place. Okay. And and when he came out, I'd never experienced anything like it before. I went into 20 minutes of shock where, you know, what you see on the cartoons where the teeth are shattering and stuff. My teeth would not stop shattering for about 20 minutes. They Fair had me shock. covered. They had me covered in towels and stuff and blankets and just trying to warm me up. And, and I did. I remember when we walked out of the hospital with him and I, I saw a pregnant woman and instead of going, <laughs> oh, I actually wanted to throw up. Oh wow! Yeah, so two two very different births, but the same woman. Yeah. So I I don't think any birth stories are the same. And again, you're another woman sitting in here. You yeah. were pregnant. It should be the same, but it wasn't. No, and sorry, I've told you loads of it already. But I was eleven days overdue. Um, I had a sweep at forty one weeks. Started slowly, labour at home, and then I was due to be induced on the Monday. Went in for the induction, and they were like, "You're actually on your way." So we'll give you the day. And by the end of that day, they broke my waters. They wouldn't let me go home. Because I was at that, I was like, I'll go home. Like, I'll chill out at home for another night. Like, nothing was really happening fast. They broke my waters at half five. And he was born at two minutes to ten. 
Wow. So that was quick. Yeah. So now, like I said, I'd lost a lot of fluid. Um, they didn't get the water that they thought they would. So they put me on an oxytocin drip. I'd never heard oh, of oxytocin. I was, on, I was on that for both of them Before too. I had a baby. And basically oxytocin is the, the happy hormone. So that's why they say you should have a ride before you like to get yourself into labour to get that hormone going. Is that, okay. Yeah. Do you know why I thought you had to have a ride? <laughs> to break your waters. I used to always think that, that like he'd poke it. No. So it's the happy hormones. Like if you do exercise, which obviously you can't really do. Why doesn't anybody tell us no. that, Lauren? Because I, I was like, it was the one thing that we didn't do. I tried everything else. Yeah. And, oh, he'll kill me. But he just wasn't having any of it. He was like, no, like we're not doing it. I love that they think that they're going to be able to touch the baby's head. Yeah, listen, like, what a high opinion you have of yourself. <laughs> but all men do. But no, it's, it's to get the hormones going. So yeah. oxytocin, they hooked me up to a drip of that. And what they did was I was having one, I asked them not to call them contractions. I'm like a gentle birthing, hypnobirthing yep. person. But that's what works and, for you, Lauren. Well, do you know what? I ended up calling them contractions the entire way through. My <laughs> husband was like, I'm the only person in this room who has not said contraction. Everyone else has said contractions the whole time. <laughs> uh, we wanted to call them surges. But anyway, he listened, don't give a shit by the end of it. But um, I, they were building me up to uh, five contractions in 10 minutes. Now, I got to four or five and a consultant came in. He was like, take it down. She's in bits. Um, And they didn't believe me. My whole story basically is no one believed me. I was ready to go. And I kept telling them. And I was like, something's changed. And I got on the ground. So I'll make this as quick as I can. Um, Basically, the baby's back was to my back, which anyone who's had that in labour will know. You just don't get a break between surges or contractions. That it's constant. It's like really, really yeah. t- tough pain in your lower back. It's like a really bad period, and um, I couldn't, I couldn't move. And I, I was quite active in the labour, moving around and all that jazz. And I said to them, like, I need to get on the ground. I was just, like, I was convinced I got on all fours that it would like just alleviate the pain, and. I had my baby in the coom. They're absolutely amazing. They're so accommodating. But they started taking out like this mattress and like covering it with a sheet. And I was like, lads, I'll go out into the car park and lie down on concrete. It doesn't matter. Just let me get down on the ground because obviously I had all the drips and all the, and the bits hanging out of me. So eventually I got down and he moved when I got down on all fours and he came down. Like I was like, oh, I have to poo. Like straight away. Okay, can I, I need to stop you there. My biggest fear in, in childbirth was, was that you'd poo I didn't want to poo and I remember during you probably my, did a bit no in my seconds I, I remember in the second birth I actually I went I need to go to the toilet they said no you're hooked up to everything I went I am not going to poo on this table allow me some dignity and I went to the toilet and I remember I was pooing and then I'm going oh my god what if I'm pooing my child out like, oh I'd just... say there's so many babies have been born in toilets and maternity hospitals yeah. we had a student with us who had just um, he was doing his rotations Jack he's only 23 god love him and he was with us they asked could he be and I said yeah no problem and I remember saying to Jack Jack I'm going to go to the toilet and he was like okay and they were like because I was hooked up yeah like they had to move me into the loo and when I sat in the loo nothing happened but I was like I need to go to the toilet and that's when my midwife copped that I was ready to go like Gosh. we were all systems go and I kept saying to Jack I was like I'm going to go now if you, <laughs> like, if you don't move faster this is going to happen poor Jack um, anyway I don't know if you'll go into gynecology <laughs> but um but I like that was that real urgency, and that's your go. That is all system. Like Thundercats are go when so you're ready to poo. It's really funny that you said that because may, maybe I did. I never felt, even though I didn't have an epidural, I never, you know, you, you don't feel anything. No, no, but I didn't feel the urge to push. They would have to tell me. And I remember oh. in my first childbirth, I was pushing, and I was pushing really hard. 
And I remember the the midwife said to me, "That wasn't hard enough. Now I don't need to. I don't need tough love. <laughs> I also don't need to be molly coddled. I just need the truth, right?" Yeah. But she's like, "That wasn't tough enough. You need to go tougher." So on the next birth, this shows you where my head was at, Lauren. At, on the on the next push, I pretended to push because I went, "That'll show her." What? That's not showing anyone anything. <laughs> it, I, I just felt like you don't, you're so in it. Like the best words you'll ever hear are it's time to push. Yeah. Because you know you're nearly at the end. Yeah. And I don't really remember feeling much. I just remember kind of the pressure and, and the pushing. And I'd gone to, and this is advice actually, I'll leave, I'll leave you on this one. I, um, the best advice I could give anyone who's pregnant is go and see a women's health physio before okay. you have a baby. A lot of women go to see a physio after they have a baby yep. for their pelvic floor and if they've had stitches, etc. Um, I have a family member who's a women's health physio and I went to her beforehand and she taught me how to push. She was like, the amount of women that come in to see me, um, I'm going to give her a shout out actually, Aveen McGreal is her name and she's a women's health physio. She's based in NACE but she also works out of the Beacon. So look okay. up Aveen. She's amazing. Really passionate about what she does. But Aveen was saying, the amount of women that say afterwards, the midwife was telling me to push and I was pushing but nothing was happening. And it's because you think you're releasing and you're not. So I like Aveen had me practising with oh, wow. my poos <laughs> lead up to labour but that's especially when you're constipated I, do you know what I, 25 minutes of pushing and he was out so wow. it worked I swear by her so with my first child I had uh, over an hour of pushing like oh, because she was very very high up oh well you did really well then yeah, well not, that's not what that midwife told me <laughs> the second child wasn't as bad but anyway sorry continue no that was it so sorry like uh, yeah straight away and I had again I mentioned I was into gentle birthing and hypnobirthing yeah. and all that jazz so I had these lovely visions. I I'd originally wanted a water birth with my waters being broken. That was taken out of the equation. So you, you just there's loads of reasons why you can't have a water yeah. birth. Um, so I was trying to be active and I had visions of like, you know, being on all fours or like being like squatting on the ground. In the end, I was on my back, on the bed, knees up, <laughs> like my husband holding one foot, young Jack holding the other foot and just like hell for leather, push his heart. You'll do anything you can. It doesn't matter. All your right. ideals go out the window. Yeah. Just adapt. Just get that baby out of you as safely and as quickly as you can. Yeah, and the re- I have to admit, on both births, the relief when they're just out of you because you just want to make... Th- I got them here. Yeah, yeah. you just want to make sure you're okay and you're listening. I can't remember which one it was, but one of them felt like forever. And I'm sure it was probably only a second or two. I didn't hear the cry. I'm just like, yeah. where's the cry? Where's the cry? Where's the cry? And as soon as you heard that cry and it was all over, women who say they forget their pain, I wish I could be one of you. You're not going to forget the pain, right? But you just go. You don't care. That's the thing. You're just like, it's over. It's yeah. over and we are both safe because at the end of the day, it's all that that's what you want, that you're all safe. And the, and the midwives out there, we have to say that the doctors are amazing. But oh, the midwives. I, the midwives, I couldn't, we couldn't have done it no. without the midwives. They are just incredible. And you know what? I wrote um, our midwife a card when I was leaving the coom. And I was just like, it's women like you that are the reason women like me get to have amazing birth stories and really yeah. happy. Like, I loved it. Like, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to do it every day. <laughs> no. But... It's it is brilliant, and we're really lucky that we can look back. I know people have really really tough, yeah, um, and it can it, really really tough births. It can be really traumatizing, um, it can be really really difficult. But I suppose getting getting that baby here, you know, is the most important thing. And once you're both safe, like you said, exactly, it's That's, so amazing. Yeah. So listen, this week I know it was very 
Serena and Lo- I just spoke about myself in the third person, but it was just very and a lot heavy. of back and forth. Yeah. Sorry, but um, we're just so excited to do this and talk, and we'd love to hear your stories as well. We do. So once all our social media handles are up, we want you guys to send us your stories, um, voice notice. I mean, th- there's an idea that we want to do at the end of every podcast. Oh yes, I love this. Lauren, you explain it because this is happening a lot at the moment. Okay, so Serena and I um, started talking about this podcast before I had the baby. And then in the last 11 weeks since he's been born, I said to Serena, we need to get this going because I have so much content because people keep pissing me off and (laughs) people keep saying really inappropriate things. And this is something that anyone, mums and dads can relate to is that people say really inappropriate things to you when either you're pregnant, expecting a baby or your baby's just arrived or, you know, your kid's 18. Yeah. People say really really, really judgmental things to you. So what we'd love you to do as part of Nobody Told Me is to share with us the things, the inappropriate things that people have said to you. Um, So I have loads actually now. I need to pick a favourite for today. I was in getting my driver's licence renewed recently and I had the baby with me. And of course, with Brexit, lots of people are getting their driver's licence changed over. So the queue's a mile long. And this woman, who I don't know very well, asked me twice. Well, firstly, she said, did you have a baby? And I felt like going, well, what do you think is in the buggy? Um, and then she was like, oh, he's lovely, blah, blah, blah. How are you? How are you coping? Everything okay? Are you coping okay? Everything, are, are you okay? Are you Kept asking me how I'm coping. She doesn't know you. And I feel like, obviously, it's a wonderful thing that people are so aware now of other people's mental health and we're good at asking, how are you? But it's gone to the extreme now. (laughs) And there's loads of things like that because we've had it drilled into us that, you know, it's really hard to have a baby and you might not be yourself for a while that people have gone into overdrive now of asking me how my mental health is and being asked really loudly in the queue for the driver's licence how I'm coping. I just felt it was a bit inappropriate. Yes. So if you have any inappropriate comments, it could be like that or it can be completely different. We would love to hear from you. Um, we also want to say as well, we really think of this as a little community. You had a great term for the village. Oh, so yeah. So you wrote a blog post. Was it last year? It was last about year. About yeah. how it takes a village. Yeah. to raise kids and I love stories of people's support networks and villages and that's something we'll touch on on a later episode and I was reminded and maybe someone might be able to help us out with this a bit better um, explain it but my dad uses this expression the mehel and it's an Irish thing it's a rural thing about um, like your community and your neighbours and I think it's a farming term but my dad's always like oh the mehel have arrived like when all the neighbours arrive in and you know like a support network and so I hope that down the line that's maybe what this might be a bit as we said we want to talk about things that nobody told you and it's for all parents, we're going to be um, on future episodes. There'll be lots of dads involved in this as well because yeah. this conversation, when it comes to parenthood, it's not just about the mum. Yeah, it's also about the dad. So, so yeah. we want all different stories. Um, we do have an email address up and running. It is nobody told me at ninety eight fm dot com. So if you want to send us some of your stories now, that would be great. Um, in the meantime, as soon as we get. All of our other stuff together, yeah. we will let you know. You can contact us in a myriad of different ways. And we have so many things we want to talk about over the coming weeks. Like I said, so much content <laughs> has arisen in the last 11 weeks and even before that. And just from our own experiences. So we're dying to share it all with you. We will get there. So hope you enjoy just a little taster of what's to come in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, we'll see you next week. The sound of the city. Nobody told me. The 98FM Parenting Podcast.